Good morning, church. Welcome to Sunday morning. If you can remember those three words, if there are three things you can say to God often in response to anything, it's yes, I will. What a great reminder for us to lift our hands in praise, to lift our hearts to him when things are great, when things are difficult, any time in our life. Uh, you may have noticed things look a little bit different up here this morning. Thank you, TJ and the worship band from Satellite. Great things happening on Thursday nights. If you haven't been to Satellite in a while, you have not been to Satellite. Uh, it's, yeah, it's hopping over there. So get in on Thursday nights. Even if you just want to visit, if you want to come by and check it out and see what the young adults are doing on Thursday night, you are more than welcome to come spend some time with us. Uh, other people on the platform that may be new to you. Uh, of course, Cameron McKay, you guys know him. He's been here a while. Uh, Peyton Ward was, I think, maybe born in the foyer of the church or something. She's been here forever. Um, and others as well, Emily Franson on bass, but Josh on keys is a little new. Uh, and then also our guitar player, Stephen Austin, is new. Uh, for those of you my generation, you can call him Six. Steve Austin, Six, Six Million Dollar Man, are you with me? That's right, his name is Stephen Austin. I'm mad at my parents today because they didn't give me a cool name. But yeah, Stephen Austin, if you're not of my generation, you can call him Stone Cold. That'll work as well uh, for those of you who are newer to this. Uh, also, Taryn Neese and Sylvia up there singing. It's a great morning to be worshiping God together. Uh, thank you for joining us in what is the living room of Grace Community Church and the altar of the living God. I hope that uh, you gave a sacrifice of praise this morning. John is not with us this morning. Uh, he's not here. That sounded very ominous, sorry. John is not here this morning. <laughs> okay, thank you, Michael. <laughs> no. Um, John is at home recovering from surgery, shoulder surgery. Most of you know that. Uh, it has been a little more difficult. He wouldn't want me to tell you this, but it's been a little bit more difficult for him this time than the last surgery he had and his recovery is a little bit more difficult, a lot of pain. So be thinking and praying for him. And also I was reminded after saying that in the first service, I should remind you to also be praying for Shelly, who is caring for him. Um, she wouldn't want me to say that either, but she's, she's here this morning. Send your encouragement through her, but also his email address is on our bulletin. So how cool would it be if for the rest of the week he had to read our emails of encouragement to him? That would keep him in his chair. It would keep him grounded, his arm up like it's supposed to be. So I'm expecting 100 emails of encouragement or more headed his direction uh, after today. So uh, we really love our dear pastor. What an incredible, and I, I don't have to say that, but I do really love him. Um, we are going to be in Malachi this morning. Malachi 1. Before we turn there, I want to tell you that recently uh, in my Old Testament class, I had to study Malachi and what an incredible book it is. It really convicted me personally, and so I brought that study to Satellite, to our young adult ministry, and out of that birthed more um, intensity. And now this morning, I want to share just the opener from that series with you. I've kind of freshened it up and made it different so that my young adults, my people who are sitting over here won't get the same thing twice. So make sure you pay attention, and I left my glasses down here. I'm really sorry. I think this is my first time doing this. First time in a year. Malachi 1, starting in verse 6, 
A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals and sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor? Says the Lord of hosts. And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you? Says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I'm going to pause here because I may not get into this very much uh, in, in the message, but I want to point out that what God's saying through Malachi is this, that the temple doors might be closed, that the offerings you bring may not be accepted because they're that, they're that lame. It would be better that the temple were dark than to bring those offerings to me. Tough words to hear. They hit me pretty hard. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted, and its fruit, that is, its food may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence, or is lame, or sick, and this you bring as your offering? Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations." The Lord demanded that Israel honor him with worship that was worthy his name. But in Malachi's time, the corrupt priests allowed the people to offer defective sacrifices to the Lord. And this was in violation of Mosaic law. The people offered and the priests accepted their blind, lame, and sick animals that were not appropriate for sacrifice. If you haven't read Leviticus recently, I would encourage you to read it again at the sacrifice that was expected to be presented at the altar, the preparation for the animals that were required, and also the people's hearts and what that looked like. Leviticus is a great book in the Old Testament. Uh, it, it gives you a greater and deeper appreciation of the hope we have in Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice. I'm going to read a little bit of Leviticus for you this morning. 9, 2, and 3 says this, And he said to Aaron, Take for yourself a bull calf for a sin offering, and a ram for a burnt offering, both without blemish, and offer them before the Lord, and say to the people of Israel, Take a male goat for a sin offering, and a calf and a lamb, both a year old, without blemish, for a burnt offering. Deuteronomy 15.21 says this, But if it has any blemish, if it is lame or blind or has any serious blemish, whatever, you shall not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. And in Malachi's time, that's exactly what was happening. They would vow unblemished animals to the Lord and then offer cheap substitutes. 
These were unacceptable even to their human governors, but they would offer them to God as a sacrifice. A day will come, it says, when all nations worship the Lord, but the Lord's own people viewed worship as a wearisome duty, as an obligation. Since their worship was little more than going through the motions, the Lord would prefer that they stop presenting sacrifices and offerings altogether, that they just close the temple doors, that they leave the temple dark. As we look at that, it's easy for us to get lost in the difference between the Old Testament times and where we live today in our culture or the New Testament times. But let's not get lost. It really does apply. So let's bridge the gap of more than 400 years between Malachi and Matthew. And let's look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. I know I read it a lot whenever I teach. Romans 12 is a great part of scripture for you to read. I would challenge you to read it every day this week. All of Romans 12, every day. And at the end of the week, write down something that you learned or a way that you're different. I guarantee God will change you if you commit to that this week. Romans 12, we're going to be with 1 and 2 this morning. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, unblemished. Keep in mind, however, that Romans 12, so we're going to continue to apply it to our lives today. Romans 12 comes as a therefore, so you got to look back at Romans 11, and Romans 11 speaks to the Gentile nations and how they've been grafted into the remnant. So that's you and I. We've been grafted into the remnant. We are the Gentile nations. We are outside of Israel. They have been grafted into the remnant, which is Israel. We are, for all intents and purposes, part of the tree of Israel, according to Romans 11. God pruned, but God also grafted in. So where does that leave us today? Two questions for you this morning before we kind of go into the next section of application. The first question is this. Do we offer cheap substitutes? That is a very tough question. When you think of it, I'm not talking about bulls and goats and lambs. I'm talking about you. Are you a cheap substitute? Or are you a living sacrifice? God calls us in Romans to be living sacrifices. We live under the new covenant of Jesus' blood. We are the sacrifice, but we are not called to be a blood sacrifice. We are called to be a living sacrifice. This goes so far beyond what happens in this room on Sunday mornings. How do you prepare to come? and offer yourself as a living sacrifice. What goes on outside of here? A wise woman, Cameron Glick's grandmother, Nana, Nanny, Nana, I've, something like that. There's a lot of different names for grandmas these days. But her grandmother said, Sunday morning worship starts on Saturday night. Those words changed me when Cameron shared those with me. And I think it's true. We should really start to think about what's going on in here before we ever arrive here. Our offering, our living sacrifice starts before we ever show up to the temple of God. It's in the choices we make all week. It's in how we live our lives every day of the week. 
It's in the forgiveness that we seek. It's in the grace that we give. You see, being a living sacrifice isn't just coming here on Sunday morning and offering praise. Sometimes, I think when we show up on Sunday mornings, we have a little bit of a consumer mentality. I am convinced in my life that if there was a popcorn machine in the lobby of this church, some of us would stop and purchase popcorn and we would be munching right now. And if there were cup holders in our seat, we would have a soda and we would put it right there. Maybe it's a coffee, but we would have something to drink and we would have our popcorn. I'm also convinced that if another church in town put in leather reclining seats, some of us would be out of here. That's the mentality sometimes that we come with on a Sunday morning. You know, recently I went to a movie, I went and saw Green Book with one of our young adults, and I looked it up online to purchase tickets at the Galaxy Theater in Tulare, where I go now, <laughs> always, and it wasn't playing there. And I was more than disappointed that it wasn't playing there because that meant I had to go downtown where I used to go to the movies and sit in those small seats with my drink right here and my popcorn in my lap, not those big, huge reclining seats. For those of you who don't know, and there were some in the first service that didn't get it, Galaxy is a luxury theater. You pay a little more, but you get your own seat and it is wide and you don't have to sit next to the person next to you. It's assigned before you ever show up. It is a great way to enjoy popcorn and a drink and be entertained by a movie. A drink, soda, and be entertained by a movie. <laughs> have to clarify. Some of y'all, I saw it like, oh wow, I'm all in, but no, don't get excited. <laughs> that is offered there, don't partake. And I was so disappointed that it wasn't in the luxury seats. I think some of us come to church on Sunday morning with that mentality. That we sit there and we think, oh, worship was good this morning. Or maybe it was a little too loud. Or maybe it was a little too soft. Or maybe so-and-so wasn't on the platform. And that person was dressed differently than I would. And we come here and we think, I'm not being entertained. The worship didn't speak to me. The worship didn't help me this morning. It wasn't to my liking. And maybe some of you are disappointed that Pastor John isn't with us this morning, and you're like thinking, how do I get out of here? <laughs> we come with that consumer mentality. We offer cheap substitutes. Do we see our living sacrifice as a weary duty and obligation? So many times we do. That's the second question. Do we see our living sacrifice as a weary duty and obligation? Sometimes when our alarm goes off on Sunday morning, we think, do I have to go to church today? I was speaking with a family who's struggling with their young son because he doesn't want to go to church right now, and I'm sad for them. That's a tough struggle. And it's our job, it's our job to kind of welcome them in and to help them uh, with this young person to help church be a place that people where people want to go not because they're entertained but because they're challenged and they can grow in their faith we don't want church to be a burden we don't want church to feel like an obligation but so many times it does I would rather stay in bed some people are away from here this morning because they're on vacation or they're traveling with family all good things some people are away from here this morning because they're sick or recovering and that's okay but some people are away from here this morning because they just didn't want to be here because that living sacrifice that God has called us to be was a burden to them. Or it was a duty to them.
Are you a living sacrifice? Back to Malachi, picking up where we left off at the start of two. And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. What a humiliation. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave, I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek him and seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. We talk about the church and whether it has a responsibility to the people. Does our church, does Grace Community Church have a responsibility to the people who come here? And by church, capital C, right? The church, you are the church. Each of us, individually, corporately, we are the church. Does the church have a responsibility to people? Absolutely, it does. But there is no doubt in my mind that we have a responsibility to the church. We are the church. God's chosen vessel, his hands and feet, his mouthpiece to the world. We are the church, and we have a responsibility to the church. We tithe. We worship, we serve God by serving his people. We evangelize, baptize, and disciple. These are responsibilities that we share. It saddens me in the church when I see a bulletin announcement that's been in there for three weeks of a need in our Awana ministry, of a man to lead young people in the word of God. And I look out and I see a lot of qualified individuals. And I'm not judging you. You may be serving someplace else already and you may have things that you're doing. But why is it that it takes three weeks in a church where there are hundreds, more than a hundred people who could fulfill that need to share the word of God? We serve God by serving his people and we see it as a burden. I bet some of us are at home on Wednesday nights in our chairs with our popcorn and our drink thinking, I sure hope someone showed up to lead those boys in Awana tonight. It makes me sad that it takes three weeks. I'm hoping after this morning that will change, that someone will step up and say, that is definitely a sacrifice for me, not where I'm called to serve, but if there's a need, I'm going to fill it. We have a responsibility to the church. There are great programs in this church that need people they need the church to step up. We have children's ministry on Sunday mornings. Sometimes, I don't think it's happened for a little while, but sometimes they lock the doors. They close the temple of the children's ministry because no one shows up as a living sacrifice to lead our children in the word of God. And those children go with their parents to service. I don't think it's happened in a while, but sometimes it has happened. It shouldn't happen. 
We have great children's programs. We have a junior high ministry that's thriving. We have a high school ministry of 70. I mean, there's more than that, but 70 plus went down south to Knott's Berry Farm yesterday and had a great time. There are great things happening in our high school ministry and people living out Jesus for the young people of our church. We have a great and growing young adult ministry. We need mentors. We need people willing to lead in all of those age groups, in all of those areas. And yes, it might be a living sacrifice. You go there, I promise you, none of those children are going to kill you. They're not going to sacrifice you at the altar. You're not going to be the unblemished lamb in children's ministry. Show up and let your sacrifice be your deed of serving God by serving his children. The next question we might ask ourselves is, does the church have a responsibility to us? It's not a popular conversation to have with young adults. Probably not a popular conversation to have with a lot of people, but does the church have a responsibility to us? Absolutely, it does. The reason why it's not a popular conversation is because I'm going to press into your life just a little bit and say that your church, your pastor, has a right to instruct you in godly living to instruct you on how to better be a living sacrifice, not just on Sunday mornings, but in every aspect and every day of your life. Your pastor not only has the privilege of doing that, but the responsibility as well. Because if pastors continue to accept the blemish offerings of his people, God will also discipline the pastorate. In Malachi's time, it was the dung of the animals being offered rubbed on their faces. Take that in for just a moment. Pastors have a responsibility to the people. Pastor John is an incredible pastor. He bears that burden, and trust me, he bears it in a very deep way. Spends time in his office praying for each of you. When prayer requests are shared, he not only manages those prayer requests in his own life and time, but he also makes sure that we, as a pastoral staff, care for the needs of the flock. He is the shepherd. And each week he has a responsibility to bring the word of God. What an intense responsibility every week. And he does not take it lightly. Instructing you in the word of God is something he has devoted his life to. And at times his living sacrifice has been times with his family or times with friends. So that he could be here on Sunday morning presenting the word of God in a way that would challenge you and change you. That would help you to be that unblemished living sacrifice. We have vowed ourselves as living sacrifices of worship, of tithes, of service to him. How are we doing? If there's one unmet need in this church, there's more to do. Don't sit back in your chair. Look for the button to lean back. Get your big gulp or your popcorn. If there's one unmet need in this church, there's more to do. By unmet need, it could, unmet need, <laughs> a little excited. Unmet need, it could be a number of things. It could be those Awana boys who need a leader. It could be somebody in our church that's hurting because they lost a loved one. It could be somebody in our community who doesn't know Jesus. If there is one unmet need in our church, there's more work to be done. Being tired, we're all tired. Being busy, we're all busy. We have to get busy doing the work of the Lord. 
We have to be that living sacrifice in every part of our life. And it's the past pastoral job. It's the pastors of this church. It's our job to help you with that, to instruct you in godly living. And yes, sometimes we need gentle correction as well. We're people and we're living life together, shoulder to shoulder in this great thing called the church, capital C. If there is one unmet need, we have work to do. So as we look at whether or not we're that perfect, unblemished, living sacrifice, let's evaluate, just self-evaluation. Don't raise your hand. Don't blurt it out. Don't feel guilty. Instead of feeling guilty this morning when you leave, feel changed, like you're going to do something about it. Guilt doesn't have an action attached. Change has an action attached. So if there's something I'm saying that really hits hard, evaluate that this week. When you got ready to come here this morning, were you prepared for worship? Had you set aside the things of the world that are distractions and everything that may get in the way of you offering yourself as that perfect, unblemished, living sacrifice before the altar of God this morning? And you do it in a number of ways. When you show up, you worship God. Even if you don't like the song, you worship God. You encourage the body, the church. You bless God by encouraging his people. That's a part of being that perfect, unblemished, living sacrifice. Tithes and giving. This is a tough area. I don't want to reach into your pocketbook. I don't want to reach into your financial life. But tithes and giving is such an important part of that living sacrifice that we're called to. And we see it all throughout scriptures that that is an important part. Hopefully this morning, that wasn't a burden to you or an obligation or a duty. One of the things we get to do as a church and do very soon is we get to build a temple, a new worship center just south of here. What an exciting time to be a part of Grace Community Church. And some people get frustrated by this. Some people allow that to stand in their way of worship of the living God. I don't know if it's the people leading the project, how long we've been in it, how much money it's going to cost. In our culture, building a temple costs a lot of money. And I don't know if that stands in the way of people or not. I haven't talked to a lot of people about it. Or if it's even just the dirt it's built upon. But the truth is, that is something we're going to do. And some people see that part of their offering, that part of their tithe, that part of their calling as being a part of this church, Grace Community Church. They see it as a burden. They see it as wearisome. You have to evaluate your finances. We're not going to show up at your door and ask. It's part of your obedience to scriptures. It's part of your obedience to God. It's part of your living sacrifice to make that a part of your every Sunday worship and of service to him. And we've already talked about service to him. So we have vowed ourselves as living sacrifices of worship, of tithes, of service to him. We have entered into covenant with God through our acceptance of his salvation. It is how we inherit the kingdom of God, and it is how we commune with his spirit. It's a covenant between us and God to live this life that he's called us to live, and everything I've said this morning means nothing if I don't say it out of this right here. This is important. 
We are called to be living sacrifices. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I have been deeply convicted as I've read through Malachi of what that looks like for me. And I want to share that with you this morning and that conviction because I think we have some great things coming up as a church. Not just our events and programs, but the people and the faces I see in here that are doing life together. The living sacrifices that I see that God's called to worship here, to be that living sacrifice here at Grace Community Church. If life's easy for you, if showing up to church on Sunday morning is what you're doing and that's easy, I challenge you to really evaluate your life. This week, I had a great opportunity to attend a baseball game at COS. Uh, they had just won two games. We have a couple of young adults playing baseball for COS. They had just won two games that week, so I thought this is going to be a great opportunity. I don't like baseball. Don't care for it that much. I know that shocks a lot of people. And baseball fans are like, I don't understand. I had a conversation with Coach Allen afterwards. I understand baseball is probably the sport we're going to play in heaven. I'm up to date on that. <laughs> but for me, I felt like this is a sacrifice I'm making to go and watch these two young men play baseball and to watch Coach Allen coach baseball. And I felt pretty good about my sacrifice. And I showed up thinking, oh, they're going to win. It's going to be pretty easy for them because they just won two games this week. They lost. It wasn't just a loss. Coach Allen said it was an embarrassing loss by a lot. Right away, first inning. But it was great to see the young men on that baseball team, especially the two I'm talking about, Peyton Allen and Davis Beavers. It was great to see them interacting with their team, encouraging their team, as excited at the end of the game as they were at the beginning of the game. It was great to see them being living sacrifices. It wasn't all about the win for them because see, winning that day meant a lot more than just putting points on the board. Coach Allen is teaching more than baseball out on that diamond. We're called to be living sacrifices everywhere we are. You will leave here today. You will go to a restaurant. You will go home. You will get about your week and your different jobs and your different places all over Visalia. I bet every square mile of Visalia at some point this week will be represented by Grace Community Church, whether we drive through it or we sit there at work and it's part of where we do our job. Not one square inch of this town shouldn't be bathed in prayer this week if that's who we are. There are empty seats here this morning, and I say it almost every time I get an opportunity to be up here. Those empty seats here this morning aren't because I didn't fill them, because I didn't ask people to come and listen to me speak. Those empty seats are there because you didn't invite somebody to fill them. If we're living sacrifices, if we believe in what God's doing here at Grace Community Church, then we're going to let people know about it, and we're going to get excited about it. Great things are happening in satellite, not because of me and my leadership, but because we have some swimmers and some choir people and some baseball players that are on COS campus going, we are spending time in community and it is a great time together on Thursday nights and all of you should come. I hear Denver Knoll swims like this. That's how everybody swims, not in the air, but that's how everybody swims. But when he breathes, he says, are you coming to satellite tonight? You should come. Make sure you're there. We should be that excited to, about our church if we believe in what God's doing here. In just a few moments, we're going to have an opportunity to take communion together. 
to really humble our hearts, to realize that that once and for all sacrifice that was made for each of us is enough. To break bread, to drink together. And Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifice for all of our sins, will be glorified in that moment if we just take the time to offer ourselves right now as a living sacrifice to him. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to take communion together. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for an opportunity to open your word, to worship you through song, through an opportunity to give you back through tithes and gifts, the blessings that you've given to us, the things that you've entrusted to us, we give back to you. God, I do pray that the role of a young mentor in Nawana would be filled this week, that you would just bring the right person forward for that, that the person who is convicted to offer themselves in that role, God, would not just be convicted, but would move on that, that change would take place. God, for every ministry in our church, for every place that your word goes forth, I pray your blessing upon it. I thank you for this church body and all it's meant to me through my spiritual growth and my years. I accepted you for the first time here, God, and so many people poured into me, continue to pour into me. Thank you for this family. And as we go into a time of communion, God, as we commune with you through your Holy Spirit, I pray that our hearts would be humbled. I pray that you would root out for us that sin that exists in our lives and that you would help us to be that unblemished living sacrifice that Romans, in Romans you called us to be. Change us not for the sake of change, but for the sake of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.